you mentioned talent. We need new skills. We need people to learn how to learn even, right? Because what you skills you have today might not be the skills we need in two months or two years. And I'm all as a Latina and mother and immigrant, a woman, I like to be able to show people who don't necessarily see themselves in tech or in an important conference room, having a seat at the table or in a boardroom. What advice do you have for them so that they have some courage to take some steps and build the, the type of incredible careers that Nancy Avila has built. Oh my gosh. I think when it comes to talent development, I, I think there's a couple things. Don't chase the title, chase the passion. Welcome, bienvenido to Mass Impact Podcast, where we uncover stories of empowerment, innovation, and diversity in the world of tech and business. I'm your host, Monica Hernandez, Latina software engineer, Turn founder, CEO, and philanthropist. I'm here to share my journey and amplify the voices of trailblazing leaders from diverse backgrounds who are driving meaningful change. Get ready to be inspired, educated, and empowered. Together, let's make mass impact starting now. Welcome, bienvenidos to the Mass Impact Podcast. I am Monica Hernandez, your host, and today I am very pleased to be joined by Nancy Avila, a proven technology leader and advocate for diversity, someone I have the honor to know, and truly a role model for Latinas in tech. There are so many impressive things to say about Nancy. I'm just going to go through a few to give you a sense of the amazing leader that she is. Nancy is Executive Vice President, Chief Information and Technology Officer for McKesson Corporation. Those of you not familiar with McKesson, they are one of the top 10 biggest corporations in the U.S. They touch virtually every aspect of health. As a member of the Executive Operating Team, Nancy leads McKesson's technology initiatives, cybersecurity, and guides the company's overall technology strategy. Nancy joined McKesson in 2020, Prior to that, she was Chief Information Officer at Johnson Controls, where we met, and she was responsible for information technology, cybersecurity, and analytics. Nancy is devoted to making an impact in the community. She serves on Comerica's Board of Directors, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin Board, Dallas Regional Chamber Board, the World Economic Forum Governance on Digital Trust, and, for those NBA fans, the Dallas Mavericks Advisory Council among many other achievements. Nancy holds a bachelor's degree in mathematics and computer information systems, as well as a master's degree in mathematics from the Colorado School of Mines. Her personal call to action is to engage beyond herself to support those around her. Nancy Avila, thank you so much, Nancy, for being with us today. I'm going to tell a little bit about how we met initially. So... (laughs) Mass Global, we had this amazing client, Johnson Controls, which is a dream come true for a, a founder to have such a large corporation as a client. And they happened to have a CIO, Nancy. And at the time, we didn't meet, right? We never had a face-to-face interaction. And then years go by, Nancy leaves Johnson Controls, and we happened to be at an event with high tech. Hispanic IT Executive Council, an organization I love. And we're both being awarded with this High Tech 100 Award. 
And here we are, it's COVID, and we're in Zoom. And then I see Nancy in there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Nancy from Johnson Controls. And I just had the courage to text her, to send her a direct message in Zoom and say, hi, Nancy, this is Monica. And here we are. We've met in Dallas, and she's right here with us as our first guest. And it's just so great when you meet people as inspirational as her, and, and I love to be able to share her story and her wisdom with all of you. So welcome, Nancy. Oh, thank you, Monica. The same goes back to you in terms of my respect and admiration for your history. And I think what was great is we both worked at Johnson Controls, had these two casts, and then when we came together to tell everybody the additional story, um, we had hosted a high-tech dinner. And that's where you and I really learned about each other, your family, your kids, and your wonderful, beautiful story. And to me, you are one of somebody I admire in terms of your courage, the hard work, your grit, where you came from nothing, and all the wonderful things you've created to give women opportunities. So the same to you, and I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. And that was so good to host that dinner in Dallas. So hopefully many more to come. It was fun. So because it was a lot of fun, yes. <laughs> So speaking of stories, you have a great story too, right? And in our journey and our life experiences really shape who we are, right? As people and as business and technology leaders. So if we can start off by hearing your family backstory and your journey and how that shaped who you are today. Sure. Be sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, and this is one of the things as I, I just told you, as I just, as I get older, these are things as you're going through your career, you don't really reflect on what makes you until you get older. And, and as I've reflected these to me, my, my childhood is actually what drove a lot of the characteristics of who I am today. And so born and raised in California from a Mexican father and a Japanese mother. And my dad, he's first generation Mexican in Los Angeles, but he was raised in Los Angeles and he would go back and forth between Mexico, uh, Tijuana. Um, and my grandmother had a, a dress shop and his stepfather ran an egg shop and he would run the streets until he had to go to school in East LA. And that was my dad went to the military, met my mom, who is a is an immigrant from Okinawa. They met in the military and she came over. And my dad, they got married, moved back to the U.S. My mom died of cancer when she got sick of can with cancer when I was eight and died when I was 10. And, and it was one of those moments where your life changes. And as a child, you don't know. But I do think when I look back, it was an opportunity for my dad to just instill a whole number of, he, was, he became a single parent back then. I had two brothers and myself and he really taught me hard work, get an education, and have the courage to stand up for yourself. And so as a single parent, as I grew up, my dad always said, always work harder than anybody else. Nobody will ever fire you for working hard. The second thing was always get an education, not only for choice, but that's something that nobody can ever take away from you. Learn, be curious, and that's one thing that will always help you. Um, and I grew up in an underserved area in Los Angeles. I grew up in a city called Gardena, um, in the area of Gardena, Compton, Carson, more underserved. Mm. And my dad taught me that to have the courage to stand up for myself. My natural tendency is to not, and those that know me today, I think I have a little more courage in my life, but I was very shy as a kid um, and I was a rough neighborhood. 
My dad taught me to have the courage to stand up, never lead a fight. <laughs> but when I had, in terms of self-respect for myself, to stand up and have the courage to do the right thing, say the right thing. And that was really a lot of what shaped me. But then I went to school, first got my interest in technology through junior league. I actually, with a group of kids in high school, we would go to Northrop and two engineers taught us how to program, do some basic programming to do charts and stuff. And then through college, because I was very uncomfortable on the English side, because my parents both not, uh, they didn't finish high school and they weren't very fluent in English. Um, I tend to be much more um, comfortable with technology and math. And so that was actually what got me interested in technology and math. And I did okay with it. And then spent the last 20, 25, I can almost probably say 30 years just advancing through the ranks of technology, whether I started as a statistician, went into technology, and just have worked through my, my way through um, my career with that. So that's the highlights. I'm sure we'll touch on other things. Through that, but yeah. what a incredible story, Nancy. So many things to take away from that, and so many similarities with the immigrant story. Fortunately, many of us grew up in rough neighborhoods. We yeah. have parents that say education is the way. Yeah. To me, that was my mom, and thanks to her, I ended yes. up getting this scholarship and becoming a software engineer. Yes. And I love you talking about how you were shy, and you were also not that comfortable with English, right? Yes. And that's something that sometimes we don't talk about. I believe that being an immigrant, this hard work, this courage that you talk about, is actually yeah. a superpower. But so many immigrants don't see it that way. What do you say to them? Yeah. And, well, I think there's two things. I appreciate, you know, I'm married to Car Carlos is a He's an immigrant. I was the daughter of an immigrant. And, right. But I, the courage, I think, comes in two forms is I looked at my dad and it, it was an effort. And I think many immigrants will push it. You don't want to get in trouble. You want to do, you want to help your family. When my dad had to go to school to talk to the teachers, he had to take half day off of pay. He had to work through a lot of things, which I think it, when you're immigrants and your parents are working hard, those are things that are very conscious growing up. So I looked at that as my responsibility and part of having the courage for me was doing my part to support my dad and make sure I didn't want to be an inconvenience to getting in trouble at school. And um, so some of those things, did. but I think the other thing is when you grow up as an immigrant, sometimes you're in situations where you don't feel like you look like everybody else or, you know, growing up, I went first went to an all black school and then I went to an all white school. And sometimes you can feel like you don't have the voice. But my dad, my dad always taught me to have an opinion. And there's just something in me that as I learned, I learned that, you know what, if I'm not going to say something, and you don't have to say it in a disrespectful way, you don't have to say it in an obnoxious way. But if I don't say something, nobody's going to know. And through the course of that, you kind of build. And I think a lot of immigrants or a lot of people who have come through different walks of life have a beautiful perspective that can reshape and change yeah. the outlook of, of solving a problem. Absolutely. Look at you, and I'm sure your partners are very proud of you. And I think you're doing more than okay. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> let's talk about technology because we both love technology and you've been having uh, leadership roles across multiple industries. So that gives you a very unique perspective on how 
technology is really impacting businesses in a very relevant way, right? Every business is now in the business of technology. Yes. And so how, what's your opinion on, on how, what are some of those most influential technology or industry trends that you believe are going to have a big impact on innovation and business evolution overall? Yeah, it's actually a really exciting time to be in technology. And somebody as old as I and gone through a couple of maturity curves, the hype of AI a couple times, blockchain, big data. I think what's really exciting is, and we saw a little bit of this around the data kind of revolution where you now have the processing power to, to actually process mass amounts of data, which changes how technology can actually reshape human behavior. In today's evolution, the hardware, the infrastructure is now so progressive that now things like blockchain, generative AI are now becoming real and mainstream at scale. And that to me is what's really exciting. And so I call it the innovation around little I. So a lot of startup companies have done wonderful things around generative AI. They've solved certain problems but they're points in time. And we really have not as an industry, as the whole world, really leveraged that type of technology from to drive productivity at mass scale. And I think we're at that point in time where whether it's generative AI, whether it's better human experience, whether it's better assistance with digital technologies, we're able to do that ex- at scale. And, and you've seen some of these digitally native companies. So Google Maps and Waze, that's a great example that AI, we drive in a whole different way. I don't even have to look at a map or I'm very confident in going someplace because I know a ways it's going to take me there. I think those are the types of things that are really exciting for companies in today's world. It's just becoming so mainstream and I, I can't imagine. I think back to the day when you had no cell phone, you had the pay phone. You could never imagine not right. having a phone booth at the corner. And now I'm letting everybody, all your whole audience know how old I am. And in today's world, it, right. it would even be crazy to even see a phone booth on, on a street corner. It's all about the mobile phone. And that's only happened in the last 20 years. And so I, I think what's exciting right. is you've got so much to do. And then I think the other thing is when you talk about the social component of this and you talk about the connected world, um, I think there are real ways where we can solve the equity or the inequity gap and giving a, a ton of people opportunities with technology in ways that haven't happened to help, you know, kind of the global resources. Because I do believe resourcing is going to be a challenge going forward, the skills, the talent, and and with the right technology. And this is something you're doing, Monica, is, is just giving that access globally with technology. So I'm just excited to be in tech. I, I think you are too, Monica. I am super excited that we're learning every day and it's such a fast pace, right, that, that we better keep up. You are in healthcare, right? You are, with McKesson, impacting every aspect of health, really. And you talked about diversity and access to healthcare and, and inequalities. How do you see that intersection of this exciting technology coming up now and at a scale and making progress on those social aspects as well. Can we combine the two? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's funny because with, it's not funny, it's exciting. When you look at some of the things McKesson does, we actually are a clearinghouse to, I think it's something like 82 million prior authorizations for treatments. And what does that mean is 
when people have healthcare plans, it's really hard just as, as a patient, it's hard to understand what's covered, what's not. And many times when you're on Medicaid or Medicare, it's really hard to figure out what's covered. We actually run that technology for the majority of the country where we do prior authorization. So if you have a cancer, if you're a cancer patient and you need prior authorization, we can save up to 10 to 14 weeks in terms of helping them authorize the treatments they need. Um, when you think about that type of technology, when you think about um, somebody who may not have that knowledge of how healthcare works or not necessarily the support of family, um, that's where we can make an impact. When you think of pharmacy um, solutions, being able to use AI to automate the experience of picking up your prescriptions or having them refilled, that's another area. Another area in, uh, for us is also in our provider solutions where we're using AI to help improve patient care. So I think across those things, they make a big difference. And some of the, I think the last point there is really around uh, in the main cities, you have the hospitals where the concentration of population is. Um, in Canada, or even some of these areas where there's food deserts, they're now healthcare deserts. Having technology to help reach into those communities uh, to make the connection to make sure they're getting the right treatments. Those are all things we're pursuing and we see in, in the future for helping our patients. That's fascinating. And I'm glad we have leaders like you that are thinking about those things. And it's so important to make sure that as we progress in really taking advantage of these technologies, that we are also thinking about doing it in a responsible way right? So that we have positive outcomes. Now, you mentioned talent. We need new skills. We need people to learn how to learn even, right? Because what what skills you have today might not be the skills we need in two months or two years. And I'm all, as a Latina, unmothered, an immigrant, a woman, I like to be able to show people who don't necessarily see themselves in tech or in an important conference room, having a seat at the table or in a boardroom, what advice do you have for them so that they have some courage to take some steps and build the, the type of incredible careers that Nancy Avila has built? Oh my gosh. I, well, Nancy or Monica or any woman. I think when it comes to talent development, I, I think there's a couple things. Don't chase the title, chase the passion. And I think in today's world, Find what you love. And in today's world, technology will always be at the heart of it. So if you like fashion, if you like engineering, take programming classes, take enough technology classes. Even if you don't want to be a technician or an engineer, um, have enough knowledge to be digitally literate because that's what's going to help you advance in whatever career you have. I also think oftentimes um, what I find, especially with women, um, they have, at least in the U.S., there is this um, stereotype of not wanting to do math or science. It's too hard. But what I find is once it's these girls have been exposed to them, they love them. They love being accessible. So I, would, I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is technology um, in the future is going to reshape human behavior. And so when you think about a traditional technology career around coding, you need to have an appreciation of that. But actually what's going to drive innovation around technology is understanding human behavior. So anything around neuroscience or the psychology of people, 
or how to do design thinking or how to work with people and understand human behavior and how you reshape that. There's a whole number of areas that are going to emerge in terms of that talent small side. Um, and the last thing is just as much as digital, understand data, use data, um, anything you can learn about data and data science. Again, it's not having to be the expert in these things, but understanding enough that whether you do go into engineering, whether you do go into um, development, or you go into fashion design, or you go into cooking, or you go into marketing, and you're going to have an appreciation of how that shapes how you do your work. Well said. It's just incredible to see how the human behavior aspect that you just talked about really makes or breaks projects, right? I, I remember when I was a consultant for Oracle, I, I, my degree is software engineering, yeah. and my master's is in computer <coughs> science and engineering. Okay. More of the same, which has been super helpful. But I will say, you know what? If I had another degree, I think it would be in psychology. Psych because the yes. critical thinking, getting people to understand each other, sharing goals and outcomes, alignment, those are such critical components of delivering positive outcomes in tech, right? Whether it's data or cloud, you always need humans to make something happen. Well, you, you bring up a really good point, Monica, because I think you and I, as you advance in your career, your technical foundation becomes important to lead an organization. But actually what success is, is your ability to work with others, your ability to communicate effectively, right. And your ability to, to negotiate and align everybody to, to achieve the right outcome. It's an excellent point, Maria, you know, in terms or Monica, in terms of success at the end of the day is all about, you know, striving for a common good and being able to do it with a team of people. And, and those leadership skills become very That's right. Yeah. That's right. Those soft skills that are so hard sometimes, right? So as we start wrapping up, you talked earlier about some of those pivotal moments and some stories that really help you grow, even though at the time may not seem of something positive. Can you share some stories of failure, the success, right? Success does not always come easy. So help our listeners understand the importance of resiliency and persevering. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you two stories, one about failure and one about courage. And I think I would tell you, um, I have learned to have a strong point of view. And sometimes you go in, you can go into a situation where you have a very point of view, but it can create a bias. I had a situation where I had committed, I was more, I was running delivery, I was running a program and I had committed to deliver um, something. And I was pretty sure that we were going to do it a certain way. And it was very early on in my career where I was an individual contributor and I had just become a project manager, delivery manager, and I was leading a team. And it was a very big lesson to me is that I was actually, it was the time of Visual Basic. It was the time of Oracle SQL code, you know, C shell scripting was going on. And I was convinced around how something, and I thought as a leader, I needed to be the expert. And we actually right. had to integrate with a technology called Conet back then and write C shell script. And I thought we were doing, and when I, led our approach, the approach that I had recommended was wrong. It forced us to work extra to redesign the communication protocol to get it right. But what I learned was it wasn't as a leader, it wasn't about me being the expert. It was about me being able to look at my team and say, oh, so-and-so actually understands how this, I need to help him and ask him to help. So 
that to me was a failure in my mind as a leader is I missed the opportunity to put the team together and leverage the goals they had, which that's a good leader. In terms of courage, and I think all of us have been in a situation where we have been intimidated by, I call it a bully leader or a leader that is very strong and, and and silence your voice. And um, I was in a situation where this leader had berated me and I left and he had called me back and he had made another comment and he had apologized for the timing of the meeting. So he didn't apologize how he treated me. He apologized for the timing my mother-in-law had seen. Um, And that was just one of those, I call it those courageous moments where I had to decide to stand up for myself irrespective of the implication because he was in a position where he could fire me or limit my career. And I just felt it was more important to have my self-respect and stand up for myself in my organization. Um, And I stood there and I said, you know what? I, and I did it respectfully. I, I, you run this area, you can do what you want. Um, But I don't appreciate how you treated me. And I would have rather spent those two hours with you coaching and guiding and educating me than to be, than to berate me. And that was one of those moments where that's my last day here, time to go. Um, And (laughs) he paused and he said, you know what? Good point. And from that day on, he never treated me with disrespect. And he was totally professional from that same point. And so it's, to me, it's, it was a message of what you should never let anybody disrespect you. And you can always yeah. say it right in the right way. Um, and sometimes they may not realize what they're doing. And when you stand and draw your boundary, it can work out quite well. So those are two moments and times. I bet, Monica, you have many examples as I do. Um, these are learning moments where, you know, you want to do the right thing. But, but sometimes you have to remind each other that, okay. You don't have to do that. So it is worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is such powerful stories, Nancy. Sometimes it's hard to do the right thing and to make the right decisions, but it feels so good after that. And what I love about that is that you stood up for yourself, but you also did for others after you. Yeah. Right. Every other person that this leader would have done this to yeah. uh, now is probably a thing gonna have a different view. So thank you for sharing that. So I love our last question. This is our first show, and the name of our show is The Mass Impact. We're all about impact. I believe that we have to be more, do more. In our company, Mass Global, I truly believe that we can both impact purpose and profits. Yes. And I love it when I can tell our clients, hey, every team member helping you, we are helping a woman, a Latino, underrepresented talent get access to those free tech education skills that will help them. So I always love to ask my guests, what are you doing to make mass impact? I'm sure you're doing a lot of things, but if you can highlight some of the things that are dear to your heart with our listeners. Yes, I I think, and I do, there's a few here. I think when I look at a McKesson standpoint, it is a unique position to be a tech leader and be able to make a direct impact on healthcare. And, And that's something I hope I continue to do when our network's down, we impact cancer patients, they're very good treatments. My goal is that our impact is we make our technology as resilient and innovative as possible to improve their care. So that's my first goal. Um, in the second area, you know, I have learned and become engaged in civic um, responsibility 
Um, and um, I sit on the Dallas Chamber, and one of my goals there is to help connect um, companies and communities to, to help elevate um, the communities in many different ways. And, and there's been a lot that we've done there. Southern Dallas is an area that I would love to continue to see the focus on. Um, and then from a personal standpoint, um, it's become more personal is where I love to leave an impact where I know I have made an impact to one individual. And it's not it's not anything big, but what really gives me guidance is I had somebody invite me to a group of girls, seven girls from the island of St. Vincent. And I spent the night with talking to them about STEM. And these are little girls that are just excited, but they look like me. They they came from something somewhere and they all wanted to be software engineers. They wanted to invent something. They wanted they didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. They wanted to be these great innovators. And that's where that makes me feel good is I can leave them with at least inspiration that they can do this because you did it. I did it. And so those are my mass global impact. Ah, oh, well, thank you for sharing. I love how you're living a purpose that goes beyond being a CIO and a woman and Latina in tech. So we're coming to an end. Gracias, really, Nancy. I learned so much uh, from this. I'm sure our listeners are taking away many pearls of wisdom to navigate their careers, their entrepreneurial journeys like mine, and to make sure that as we do that, we are inclusive and that we're using technology responsibly. So yes. thank you again, and I hope to see you soon. Uh, if anyone yes, wants to follow my pleasure, you, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure our listeners have a chance to know where to find you or learn more about some of these concepts oh. that you're talking about. <laughs> I think I'm LinkedIn. I think I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, I, so that's it. But Monica, there you go. thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to see a wonderful woman like you with a successful business driving such a wonderful cause. And I'm always happy to interact with you. I just love seeing your smile. So, ah. so thank you for giving me the opportunity. Back are you happy to have you here? Thank you again, and hopefully see you soon in Dallas or somewhere in this uh, beautiful country. Gracias, Nancy. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you for listening to our Mass Impact podcast, sponsored by Mass Global. I hope you're inspired to have more impact on your organizations, your community, and your own journey. Connect with me on LinkedIn for more valuable content and visit our sponsor's website at massglobalconsulting.com to explore how we help clients innovate while we drive diversity in tech. Juntos, let's shape a world where inclusion and success go hand in hand.